0: Hey, everyone. Thank you for joining us here at Clearview Community Church. The past few weeks, we have been studying the book of Luke and learning how Jesus has been breaking down cultural and relational barriers. Now, a few weeks back in the story of the Good Samaritan, uh, Jesus taught us and his immediate listeners that we are to love our neighbor as we love ourselves and that everyone, including the people we don't agree with or necessarily like, Are our neighbors. The question is not, who is my neighbor, but how can I, how can you, be a good neighbor? Jesus breaks down the cultural and relational barriers, and he commands us to love others without reservation. Last week at our Creemore campus, uh, Pastor Clayton, he shared a message on Mary and Martha, where Jesus confronted the priorities and the culture at the time. You see, Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet, learning from the rabbi, which in that day and age was really only reserved for the men. Now Martha, Mary's sister, she was running around the house. She was being a great host, getting everything ready for all of her house guests. She was doing exactly what was expected of her. But Jesus teaches Martha that her first responsibility and our first priority is to be close to our teacher, even if that goes against the culture of the day. Jesus breaks down our cultural barriers and relational barriers, and he invites us to set God as our ultimate priority. Now, today we're going to be looking at one of the most famous and most quoted verses of Scripture ever. And today we are looking into the Lord's Prayer in Luke chapter 11, verses 1 to 4. In this passage, we are going to see how Jesus, through this prayer, and through his work on the cross, breaks down the barriers between us and God the Father. Jesus breaks down the barriers of sin and shame, and he invites us to stand before God as adopted sons and daughters. Now, before we go any further uh, into the sermon, uh, let's actually read the passage of Scripture together. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. Jesus said to them, When you pray, say, Father hallowed be your name your kingdom come give us each day our daily bread forgive us our sins for we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation now there are two times recorded in the bible where this prayer takes place where jesus teaches on this prayer luke 11 verses 1 to 4 which we just read and matthew chapter 6 verses 9 to 13 and this prayer has been used as a model for how to pray Some people quote this prayer each time they pray, and others may use this as a model to shape how they pray, to shape the topics. And for many of us inside and outside the church, this is a very familiar passage. Now there are a lot of examples of prayers in scripture, and many of us have heard prayers handed down through history, or handed down through our families as we recite them and use them as models for how we pray. I'm sure many of us know now i lay me down to sleep i pray the lord my soul to keep and if i die before i wake i pray the lord my soul to take you know you may not know but that that prayer actually found its origins in the 1780s and when i was growing up i used to say the same prayer growing up before every meal it was a simple rhyme and it reminded me to be thankful for god and for providing for our family um and to be be thankful for the hands that prepared the food um I actually don't remember that, that prayer right now, but I used to say it every single meal every day and used to drive my family crazy. And as a parent, my wife and I were trying to model and teach our kids the right way to live. And as Christians, that means following God. And part of that is praying with our kids and teaching them the difference between saying a prayer and saying random words followed by, in Jesus' name, amen. And usually we use the same model that I grew up with to remind them where all of our blessings come from and to pray for our family and to pray for our loved ones. In Jesus' day, like in our day, it was a common practice for a teacher or a parent to train his students or his kids how to pray. It was common for each rabbi or each teacher to give their disciples a unique prayer that would distinguish them from other students and teach them how to honor God. Now, uh, this is a passage many of us have heard before And I've said this in the past, but when we approach these passages, we need to be careful um, when we don't understand the passage or when we really have heard this passage a million times. Because uh, it's so easy to either flush over a passage because we don't know what's going on or we know like the back of our hand, we don't need to study it at all. There's two mindsets that we fall into that we need to be careful of. We need to take our time in learning what this passage is teaching us and what it means to connect with God. So what makes this prayer different? The prayer that Jesus presents to his followers has one stark difference than those from the other teachers at the time. At this point in time, it was common to refer to the Hebrew God as God or Yahweh or as King. What was not common or appropriate was to refer to God in any relaxed or overly personal terms, to pray and call God our Father, would have been seen as a disrespectful way to approach the God who created the heavens and the earth and the God who sustains every living thing. And this isn't a unique criticism uh, of this prayer. In many religions, like Islam, it is seen as very disrespectful to address God in such a personal way. How dare we be so informal with such a powerful, holy, mighty God? What right do we have? But all through the book of Luke and through the other gospels, Jesus frequently refers to God as Father. And to the point where it confuses and offends the religious leaders around him. You can see that in John chapter 5, verses 18. Here in Jesus' teaching on how to pray, it's the first time in all of Scripture that God is called Father in prayer. Here in this prayer, or in this teaching of prayer, Jesus underscores the unique relationship his followers have to God as their Father. Jesus breaks down the barrier of sin and shame and he invites us to stand before God as adopted sons and daughters. Now to the credit of the Pharisees, they had a point. What right do we have to call the creator of the universe our father? The one who made all things, the one who sustains all things, the one who knows all things and we have the audacity to call that being father. What basis do we have to approach God in this way? The, the late preacher, Tim Keller, uh, he uses this illustration when he's talking about this. He said, if you were to run up and approach someone on the street and tell them, you need to go to the airport right now, they would look at you and, you know, look at you like, what are you talking about? They'd move on with their day and they would completely ignore you. But if you ran up to them and said, hey, our, our mutual acquaintance, they just called me and they need you to run into the airport and pick them up. That would give, much more likely give a response. They would be much more likely to go to the airport and fulfill the request. Why? Because of something you did? <laughs> no, because you have the ability to approach or the authority to approach them on the basis of your friend's relationship. There is someone else who is driving a response. And that same principle is true in this passage. The Pharisees question, what right do you have? On what basis are you approaching God like this? Are you holy? Are you blameless? And no. I am sinful. And over and over again, I make mistakes. And I have no right to stand before God. And on my own merit, if I'm approaching God by myself, it is disrespectful for me to come before God and make any requests and call him Father. But the beautiful thing about this passage and the beautiful thing about the Gospels is it's not about me or the things that I've done. The foundation of the gospel and the foundation of this prayer is that we are brought into this close relationship with God, not because of anything on our own merit, but because of Jesus alone, the true Son of God, who lived a perfect life and died as a sacrifice for my sins and your sins so that we could be adopted into the family of God. Those who trust Jesus as their Lord and Savior are adopted into the family of God. And this is an invitation for everyone anyone who would believe and follow Jesus. We can confidently approach God as our Father on the basis of Jesus' work on the cross that brings us back into relationship with God. Because of the cross, our Heavenly Father makes no distinction between his son Jesus and his adopted children. We can read this in many places, but one of the places is in Romans 8, verses 14 to 15. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Now, prayer doesn't work without that relationship. That is why the first and most important part of this passage is our Father. Everything else we say, everything else we ask, or everything else we need is done in a relationship with our Heavenly Father, who we have the ability to approach through the work of Jesus. And this truth will cause us to never be anxious, never be worried, never be envious or protective because we are cared for by our God, our Father, who loves us and who is all-powerful. And if we truly understand where we stand before God, we will have no doubts that the praise we bring to God and the needs and the requests will be heard by our Heavenly Father who makes no distinction between us and Jesus. And out of our relationship with Jesus, our hearts and our minds will be changed and our prayers will reflect that change. And a common struggle that we fall into with these familiar passages of scriptures and with approaching God in prayer uh, is for many of us, especially those who've been followers of Jesus for a long time, we are often too familiar. Now I don't mean that we're too close to God. I mean that because of the access we have to scripture, you can get a Bible pretty much anywhere. And because of the access we have to God through prayer, our familiarity dulls our experience with God. It has been said that we can use prayer as a kind of litmus test for our spiritual lives. In our walk with God, prayer is one of the only places where we are absolutely alone with our Father, without any need for performance or persuasion. Robert Murray McShane, he said it simply like this, What you are on your knees in prayer before God is what you are, nothing more. By examining our prayer life, we have the best way to analyze the health of our faith. And often, even for myself, prayer is not easy and it doesn't feel natural. We are made for prayer, we're made for connection with God, but it's not natural for us to submit and connect with God. Prayer takes learning and we are often just we're often just bad at praying. I'm just bad at praying. And given how special this relationship is, that we have access to God, how do we get better at prayer? How do we learn to pray with the connection and the authority and the assurance that Jesus teaches us to have? And we need to believe, first and foremost, in what Jesus, in who Jesus is and what he's done for us. If you haven't figured it out, here is the focus of the sermon from Luke 11one one to four. Jesus breaks down the barriers of sin and shame, and he invites us to stand before God as adopted sons and daughters. The foundation of this prayer is understanding our relationship with God. Now, if you have a hard time getting excited about prayer, I would challenge you that you're not fully understanding what it means to call God Father. I would also challenge you that you and I don't really understand or maybe we can't really grapple with what it means to be in the family of God. We have a hard time praying because so often we don't, or I don't, believe that I'm accepted. I have a hard time believing that I'm loved or forgiven or that I'm in the family of God. I don't fully understand what it means to be able to call the creator of the universe my father. And if we did believe it, we would never be worried, or anxious, or envious, or protective. We're so quick to forget God's love for us, but that's where we're supposed to begin. And with what we've been learning from the Lord's Prayer, before praying, do this one practical step. Before praying, Our Father, think about it. Focus on the power and the truth of our statement, Our Father. How much does God love Jesus? How much love does the father want to give to the son? The Bible says that God makes no distinction between his son Jesus and us, his adopted kids. We read about this in Romans 8, verses 14 to 15, uh, but also in Galatians 4, verses 4 to 7, it references our adoption. It says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law. So that we might receive adoption as sons and daughters. And because you are sons and daughters, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. If you're struggling with your prayer life, before you do anything else, take as long as you need to believe and understand your relationship before God. We can't get the rest of prayer until we understand our position before God. It moves us from using God to accomplish all the things we need, bring your text, na, 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 to a place where we walk with God and we serve him and we love him and we're in community with him. Then as you follow the template of the Lord's Prayer, out of the love and relationship you have, praise God. Out of praise, submit our will and the world around us to God's authority to that submission, trust that our God is able to handle our requests and loves us enough to give us the things we need as we seek his kingdom. We are easily distracted in prayer. And I want us to remember, <clears throat> prayer is not easy, nor is it natural, nor does it feel natural. We are made for prayer. We're made for connection with God, but it's not natural for us to submit and connect with God. We as humans, are so bad at praying that we often forget that we're praying while we're in the middle of praying. Have you ever done that before? We begin a prayer and then, squirrel. Uh, you know, a short while later you realize that you aren't praying anymore. You got distracted you know, 10 minutes ago by a random thought. That happens to me more often than I want to admit. So staying focused on connecting with God, it seems so difficult as so many thoughts and distractions and our general life problems seem to pull us away from prayer it pulls us away from connecting with god john newton he was uh, the writer of the timeless hymn amazing grace he said this about prayer he said our ability to pray is so weak that if we were sitting in a room trying to pray we are overmatched by the buzzing of a fly we are so easily distracted now with that in mind remember two things one Give yourself some slack. You are growing in your relationship with God. You are learning how to connect with God in prayer. And you are building a relationship with God, with a God who loves you. And it will be hard to discipline yourself to connect with God daily. And it will be difficult to remain focused on prayer with everything going on around you. That's part of the reason we need prayer. And you don't have to get it right all the time. You just have to keep connecting. However, the second point is this. Since before you were born, God has stopped at nothing to bring you back into his family and to love you as his child. That God sent his actual son to live the perfect life that we could not live, to die as a perfect and final sacrifice for our sins, so that we could be adopted into the family of God. So just because prayer is difficult, it doesn't give us the excuse to ignore praying and to ignore connecting with our Heavenly Father. Connecting with God through daily prayer and through daily reading of scripture may be difficult, but it's the only way to grow your relationship with God. And as followers of Jesus, we have no excuse not to connect with our Heavenly Father. As we learned from Mary and Martha last week, uh, our first priority is to be with our God. This is the first thing to focus on. As I mentioned earlier, we can use prayer as a kind of litmus test for our spiritual lives. In our walk with God, prayer is the place where we are alone with our Father. It doesn't matter what anybody else is doing. People may or may not be around. We don't need to perform. We don't need to act a certain way. Um, And again, what Robert Murray McShane said, what you are on your knees in prayer before God is what you are, nothing more. So by examining our prayer life, we have the best way to really analyze the health of our faith. So take this time to take an honest look at your prayer life. Where do you need to grow? Where are you doing well? Where do you need to connect? How is your relationship with God? Christian prayer is distinct from all other religions because we have access to God as our Father. We access God in this way through the work of Jesus on the cross and the new identity we have as adopted children through Jesus, our advocate. We have the authority to boldly approach our God who knows us and loves us through Jesus. So before you pray, next time, Remember all that God has done through Jesus to bring you back into this relationship. Then as you follow the template of the Lord's Prayer, out of the love and relationship you have with Jesus, praise God. Out of praise, submit our will and the world around us to God's authority, out of that submission, trust that our God is able to handle our requests and that he loves us enough to give us the things we need as we seek his kingdom. Let me pray for you. God, we thank you that you are our Heavenly Father. Lord, we thank you that you are the God who created the heavens and the earth and everything in them. Lord, you are the God who is all-powerful and all-knowing. Lord, you are the God who sustains life. Lord, you are so big and mighty and holy and there's no way to, Lord, even know all of the things that you do. Lord, you, but you are also the God who is intimately involved in our lives. You walk beside us. You walk with us. Lord, you know our needs. Even if they may seem small to us, Lord, you know our needs. You care about them, Lord. And you are uh, meeting our needs and you are guiding us. Lord, I pray that we would feel your presence. Lord, I, would, I, f- I pray that we would just boldly enter into this relationship with you. Lord, not on our own merit, but on everything that Jesus has done on the cross. And once again, we thank you for the gospel. We thank you for the love that you showed us. I pray that you would continue to speak to us in Jesus' name, amen.